I'm Carlo with Race to Walk, and these are just some thoughts on a Sunday. And what I normally do on these is I um, give an update on where um, we are at in our effort to help some Afghan Christians immigrate, as well as give a few thoughts. And if you're like, what is going on with that? Um, well, a, um, about a year and a half ago, my friend Mark Ritchie asked me if I wanted to um, teach a Bible study in Pakistan. And I said, sure, awesome. And then last October, um, in his classes with um, Afghan Christians, some um, issues came up. Uh, they're in Pakistan right now, and um, Pakistan's really hostile to them. And so our efforts expanded from teaching Bible studies to helping them um, stay safe where they were and find some possible options for immigrating. And it's just kind of went from there. Um, we have, uh, since then, we've had a few more people join us, and Mark's friend Don has a ministry, and he um, has let us use um, his ministry as a channel to help get uh, uh, funds to them and donations to them. He, Mark has, a, well, Mark and Don actually have been doing ministry like all over the world for decades, and so they're experienced in this. I am not. They are, uh, but I'm learning as I go. So I also didn't really know anything about immigration at all, but I have learned a lot in the past six months. So that has been um, what we're working on. I, for the past couple of weeks, I've been talking about manipulation. And uh, two weeks ago, I talked about recognizing manipulation using examples of what was going on internationally in a push to recognize the Taliban. Uh, also, some manipulation going on our local school board elections, and um, personally, I had some an issue come up um, kind of suddenly. So that was two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about recognizing manipulators, and uh, I used again an example of our local school board election of a good example of how manipulators work. And this week um, is different. It's different, but I'm going to use the personal example um, that I had been talking about a couple weeks ago about my, my situation. That um, it was a uh, kind of an issue came up, and it was um, and the person was trying to manipulate the situation. So I'm going to use that as an example of um, how we can know God speaks because. Uh, the reason I'm in this is because I ignored what God was saying to me several times. Otherwise, if I had been listening and paying attention, I wouldn't have gotten myself into the situation that I'm in right now. So that is what um, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And this week, I, I meet with the Afghan Christians um, each Monday, and we do a Bible study, and we've talked about different things. Um, the the, a few weeks um, before all this started, uh, we were talking about giving a personal testimony. You know, um, the importance of you know having truth in your testimony. How you know you give a testimony that you know you tell your story and not try to make it, uh, not try to manipulate emotions or situations and just let it be. You know, let God speak through your life and your story. So we, we were talking a lot about that. This week, um, normally, 
you know, I have been trying to kind of limit my time a little bit because um, this really had kind of taken over my life and I've been trying to get things more in order. So I have had gotten to a point where I was, I said, okay, I'm going to work on this, work on this project for this many hours. And I let them know that. I also let them know that I was going to be trying to get more people to help with this because I know that there's people have a lot of different needs and there's a lot of different avenues we can pursue. And so I've let them know that, but, um, usually conversations with them are ongoing, you know, pretty much almost every day. And it's just, you know, conversations with them are like a part of my life. When this personal situation happened, um, I was not able to focus on their things as much as I have in the past. I had a lot of messages I needed to catch up on. And it's really affected, um, this personal situation has really affected me and able to do some of the things that I had had on my list of things to do for them. So it's taken some of the time I had allotted for them and consumed it. And so I felt like I needed to explain this to them, um, what had happened. And I was using, planning on using the um, First Chronicles, was it First Chronicles or Second Chronicles 18? I have my notes, let me see. Second Chronicles 18. I was going to be using that passage, and it's a passage about, it's when in the divided kingdom, when Jehoshaphat is going to war, um, he's, he and Ahab, king of the northern kingdom, kingdom of Israel, are going to war against a country, and they call in these prophets, and the prophets are telling them, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be great, go ahead and go. And Jehoshaphat, who is a a righteous king who follows God and seeks him for direction. He says, they're not a prophet of the Lord here. And Ahab says, yeah, there is, but he never says anything good for me, so I don't want to listen to him. So I, Jehoshaphat gets him to come in, and, and the prophet tells him, you know, you're not going to make it back. And Ahab gets killed in this, um, in this, this uh, battle that they had. So we had a little bit of discussion about that. My plan was to go then go to uh, what was it? Second Kings, First Kings, First Kings chapter twenty-two because there's a passage in there that's really interesting. And the Book of Kings, like so, Kings as a whole used to be one book, and then uh, when they added vowels into the Hebrew language, they split it into two. So in all of Kings, first and second, it's all about. Um, the writer is showing how generational sin or sins of association can cause judgment. And so in this particular passage in 1 Kings 22, uh, we know in other, like in the passage in Chronicles, that Jehoshaphat was a prosperous king. He sought after God and pretty much everything that he did prospers. But in Kings, it says that it, it has this interesting passage where Jehoshaphat is going out he has this big um, uh, commercial endeavor taking all these ships and all the ships sank huge huge disastrous loss and when you read about his associations with Ahab 
um, you know, Ahab like caused a lot of, um, he betrayed people, he broke trust, he was just a very evil king. But also in in First Kings, he's the the writer puts it right next to you go from that, and then also has a passage about Ahaziah, which was also the king of the northern kingdom, and there's this connection between that you may not catch it originally if you don't see like the whole story of what the writer of Kings is saying, but he's basically. As you're reading, you see, this is why, because somebody may ask, well, why didn't God bless Jehoshaphat's endeavor? Why did he allow this huge, disastrous loss? It would be like, maybe not as bad as like the uh, the stock crash that caused the Great Depression, but it was probably, um, his loss was probably like, maybe like our recession, 2008, right? And so... Like, why did God allow that to happen to Jehoshaphat, who was serving him? And the the writer of Kings is tying it to his association with Ahaziah. So my point was, that I was going to make, that was going to be the point of the Bible study with them on Monday, was sometimes we can have negative outcomes in our own life because of our association. So we have to be careful about who we associate with and seek God in for direction in all of those associations. That was the point. But as we were talking about the passage in Chronicles, someone asked, well, how do we know when God's speaking to us? How do we know his voice? So um, that really uh, is kind of our lesson. And I um, used um, the example of um, this issue with that I'm dealing with right now that is because I didn't listen because I'm in, have this mess that has to be cleaned up now this is impacting them because I can't you know it's just time I would be spending helping them I have to deal with this other person that's causing me issues so um, there are like going to uh, back to the topic like how does God speak and how do we know when he's speaking? You know, the first thing we have to do to be able to um, understand his voice is that we have to be reading his word and so that we recognize what is God's, what God's voice sounds like. You know, the Bible is the word of God and so that's his word and so do we, do we recognize his voice? So sometimes, you know, you can have authors and you, you recognize their voice. Like if you have an author that you love, you can hear their voice through in the other books. You know, you know that with um, I remember. You know, if you, you've been a member of any like internet forums, it's really common, right? Like people will have like sock puppet accounts, and but if you know the person's voice, like in the regu their regular um, account name or screen name, and if they do a sock puppet account, you know, then you can you know what that, you can recognize your voice in those other, those other messages. And so that's like a simple example, but that's kind of what it's like when we are listening to God's voice, you know, we recognize it because we know what it sounds like because we've been reading his word. So that's the first thing. But as far as other ways that um, uh, God uses to speak to us, there are a lot of different ways. There aren't just, there isn't just one way. There's, we are all unique 
individuals and he has a does have a personal relationship when we make jesus the lord of our life he um has we should be having a personal relationship with him and so he'll speak to us in different ways because we are all unique people but um there's again there are um it will always be like what he says to us will always be consistent with his word so you know if somebody is married and they say well god told me that i could you know go have an affair with somebody you know that what they were hearing was not was not god it was either them or hey maybe it was like something else that was telling this because we know that that is explicitly against his word so he won't tell you to do something that is against his nature and his character and so part of that is knowing the bible but also um you, you learn how to hear his voice better when you understand who god is better because um if you if you think that he is um judgmental or uh condemning um hey cliff how are you uh, then you're not going to recognize God's um, good words to us, right? Because you won't be expecting to hear them. So uh, going back to this this one particular situation that I got myself involved in, um, it actually started out, I mean, God started prepping me to be on guard against us, which, and I ignored those preparations. But um, I think this is probably true, probably always. There's probably... When, when we're, we're approaching something where we could be making a bad decision, then I think probably most of the time God gives us um, some guidance or a warning. I know this is true. I know this is true because I can think of other situations where um, there was, a, <laughs> I can think of one specific situation. Like I, I used to have a BlackBerry, and so I can I could like type pretty fast with it. And the problem with that was is that it was really easy for me to pop off about things like whatever came to my head, like just like that. And um, it was one particular situation where it was actually it was actually like separating um, from a very manipulative situation, and uh, it was to the point where I either had to um, talk to an attorney or a pastor. And so I went to the pastor at my my church and one of the pastors in my church and he said uh, I told him the whole situation he's gave me this look like and he's like just walk away just walk away and I said okay well I said well, what should I say he's like just you know tell him you know kind of whatever I said well can I can I just walk um, can I write something out and then send it to you and he said sure so I wrote it out and I sent it to him and he said, well, he goes, I could take it, but you should probably tone it down a little bit. I'm like, okay. So I toned it down. I, I emailed it to the people. And um, <laughs> that and I copied him on it. And that was the first reply. So I, I, I emailed, him, emailed them what someone had reviewed for me. Going into this, like the week before, I had like two different people say, never just send an email, you know, just immediately always just like write it, let it sit and then just wait and then send it Two people. This is beforehand. So I'd had this, had this 
advice, these words of wisdom before this even happened, I had sat with somebody, they had given me advice, and then I sent this email, and um, the response I got back, I took it as very dismissive, and again, I am a Blackberry, and I just popped off with the response, and like, really, like, the first email was fine, the second email, I, it was, I kind of like, went off a little bit, so, in that case, I even had, had prep, like, going into it, had been given advice specifically, and I ignored it. But what I can, with this particular, this current situation, um, there were a couple of things that really was kind of preparation for being on guard against what was coming. So back in uh, November 2021, I did a, uh, an interview with this lady, um, Amy Norcuse, on her book *Preyed Upon*. So she was, um, she was uh, uh, was got connected with a predatory therapist, and her story was that she had actually went to him before, and um, like a few years before, got a weird vibe, and didn't go back. So she had that warning, and then everybody loved this guy, thought he was awesome, and so she was sent, you know, she decided to go back, and so she ignored that initial feeling, and um, you, know, you can read her book, but it, the situation got pretty um, abusive and pretty bad, and this particular therapist, um, he had, um, she wasn't the only one he did this to, um, there were multiple, I think she knew about it, but like at least seven different women and one of them had committed suicide and um, so he did a lot of damage to a lot of people before he was finally caught and his uh, his license he actually never faced criminal charges I don't think his license was um, he was allowed to voluntarily surrender his his license and I asked her at the time if she, if he would be able to go and practice again she's like yeah I think he could I mean not maybe in that state but in other states, you know, it's really, he was able to walk without any repercussions. So I'd had this conversation with her. My daughter Taylor had just had a situation where she called me and she's like, Mom, I have been asked to go to this, I don't know, it was like a Bible study or something. She's like, I still have a good feeling about it. And I said, don't go. I said, if you, you know, that's a word, of, you know, it's a warning. If you, you don't, <laughs> if you feel uncomfortable, you know, take that as a warning, you know, that's whole, you know, that's Holy Spirit, like giving you a heads up. Um, you don't need a reason not to, um, <laughs> not to do it. If you just have a bad feeling. Just don't ignore it. Don't go. So those two things that happened. Then I get, uh, come across, across paths with this person that is now causing me trouble. And, um, this is the thing. I did not pray about it at that time. That was problem number one. And when I started the conversations with the person before I made an agreement to work on a project with them, I never felt at peace about it. And I, I kind of chalked that up to something else. But um, going back to how God speaks, that's a big thing. Like we have to have, you know, having peace. And that's one of the things that like when you've been through trauma or a lot of manipulation, it really clouds your judgment. You can't experience peace. I, I remember when I had been in a really 
long-term stressful situation when that finally ended it took probably about two years where I could really like feel at peace and I remember I just remember actually it was at the 4th of July sitting there with my girls and we we're just and I was like oh my goodness you know this is what peace feels like not being on edge here this is just it was just peaceful and so when you have been through a stressful situation or you're constantly under stress, then that also, not only is it abuse, you know, like this manipulation and um, emotional abuse is abuse. Um, it, you know, somebody may not be wailing on you, but like the impact of this is changing your brain. It causes stress in your body, you know, it affects your health, but also it affects how we can hear, like whether or not we can hear from God because if your body is always like on guard or you know how do you how do you find that peace how do you really listen and find that peace if you're if you never you don't know what's off right if you're always under under stress if you don't know what um very cool awesome congratulations um if you don't know what that feels like how can you hear them right so did not have peace about it. I also kind of got this feeling about the person themselves. And I, um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it. And I should have like listened to my own advice, like listen to those feelings and don't dismiss them. You don't have to have a reason. Just take that as a warning. I didn't. So, um, anyway, I, did not um, I did not um, I'm trying to think of how to put this um, it just seemed like this this project that I got involved with, it just seemed obvious. There were a lot of synchronicities that I got, you know, I got connected with. It just seemed like an obvious and logical decision to do this. And I guess that may have been part of the reason why I didn't pray about it because, you know, it just seemed obvious. But um, so one of the things we were talking about on Monday, you know, if you want there's a verse is um, to acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your paths, right? He'll make your path straight. Like he'll level the path and, you know, make, make the way easy. Like we have to ask him, right? And I was just thinking, okay, yeah, this is cool. You know, a lot of times I think we ask God to bless something and we, we just don't even, you know, we want him to bless our things. We don't like, say, hey, God, what do you want me doing? Because his, his blessing is in his will, right? So, but the thing is, it just seemed so obvious. There were just, it just seemed like a perfect fit in a lot of different ways um, with other things I was doing. And so it seemed so obvious that I didn't ask. And I realized that that was, that's a huge mistake. It was a huge mistake because, and this is the other ironic thing. Um, you know, sometimes you can tell it's it's God's will because things just fall into place. But sometimes there can be things that aren't God's will that 
they seem like it's a good thing, but when we don't ask, you know, how are we going to know for sure? But I have had, um, had a lot, you know, told a lot of people about this project that's now causing me problems. And almost everybody, almost every single person, like, oh, wow, that's really awesome. That's so cool. And there was the only person, the only person that said anything about this before I embarked on this particular project was Mark, my friend Mark, that I involved <laughs> in this Bible studies with. Um, I'm not even sure what he said at this point, but I was like super excited about it. I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm going to do this and this. And he said, I'm not sure. He might have said, should you do that? But what I heard was, can you do that? And I'm like, yes, yes, I can do that. Of course I can. And uh, I think it probably it probably should have been a check for me. Like, okay, should you do that? Maybe pray about it. But he's the only person out of all the people I talked to about this particular project. He's the only person that gave any like uh, check on it. Like, maybe you should check on this first. And that is a way that. Um, God can speak. He can speak through other people. And um, just because somebody else doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that it's not God's will, but sometimes he does do that, and it should be at least, like, I should have just at least stopped and prayed about it. I don't know why I didn't think about it. I just didn't. But in contrast to that, um, as far as, like, helping the Afghans, I've had so many people, I mean, so many people uh, warn me against it, um, even people who were uh, kind of a, involved in similar areas themselves telling me, you know, I think you should back off, you know, you need to be cautious, don't, you know, don't get involved in this. And I did have um, a lot of people say that. And I felt like I mean, this is a thing. I know sometimes synchronicities can be a misdirection, but I can also see, you know, when you see all these things falling into your lap, things that seem to be impossible happening, um, and, and sometimes there's just a feel to a thing. You know, you can just, like, when you've been involved in something where you've seen God move, you can recognize when that happens again. So I had just, I could see that. I could Feel, it was the same feeling that I've had when I've had like huge overwhelming projects that seem like impossible to get done in a certain amount of time. When I started working um, to help the Afghans, it, it's the same sort of thing. I mean, things just like crazy things just falling into my lap. And so I had somebody that was um, advising me against it and I was like, well, you know, so I prayed about it. And I was like, God, you know, I... I know I get myself into a lot of things, you know, you just need to let me know if you want me to do this. I need, I need to have a yes. I need to know this is what you want me to do. And so, um, the next morning I had a dream and, um, it was, uh, I don't know, it was a dream or, I don't know what you call it anyway, but it was just a, uh, it was a, a wooden plaque and engraved on it where the was the miracle angel. And I was like, okay. I'm going to take that as a yes from God. This is a go. 
if he's going to send his miracle angels to get this going and bring things about, then great, because you dropped it in my lap, and I know I can't do it because I know nothing about any of this. So that was, even though it seems like a crazy thing, um, I just felt like I had a yes from God, and so I'm going to do this. And, you know, at that time in October, everything seemed impossible. I didn't know how to get money there. It was just such a mess. And we now have... You just found this out. Like, it just didn't seem, at the time, it didn't seem like there was any way out for them. And so now I have I have one person that can literally, I have the money for for a family. I can just say, here it is, and they'll take the, do the whole thing. And it's just like, hand them off, and they'll take care of all of them. I just found out that um, the, it used to be, like, when we first, when I first started getting involved in this, um, Canadian immigration, they had, they were, had to have a, refugee certification for um the united the UNH, unhcr and that is they're just really not giving them to afghans as a whole other story but uh just found out that um the uh they've removed that requirement now so we can if we can find they have a program where what it used to be was you have to have a sponsor a sponsoring organization or a sponsor group or and then have like a certain amount of funds kind of like as a guarantee to support them and it used to be it requiring that UNHCR designation now they don't require the UNHCR designation and we just need to sponsor the funds and while I've been like all tied up with this person um, <laughs> one of our people has been gotten some connections with a Canadian church and uh, may be able to sponsor some of our family, so all we need is the money now. So, Brazil and Canada, we have a go, and supposedly a welcome course coming up. So, things have changed a lot from, you know, October till today. So, we have options. So, um, but, you know, we did, I had no way of knowing that then, and it didn't seem like there was any way at that time. So, you know, we... That is another way that God can speak to us. He can speak to us through dreams. I've had, um, I've had a lot of situations where God has spoken to me through dreams. Not so much recently, and I'm not sure why that is. I don't know if it's just that I have a tendency to, like, I have had so many like pretty dramatic um, messages through dreams that maybe I depend on it too, so too much. I don't know if I haven't been writing them down lately either, and so that may be part of the reason that. Maybe I'm getting them and I don't remember them. I don't know. But um, dreams are another way. God speaks to us. Um, he also can speak to us through other people. Um, I've had, I'm trying to remember if I've had a situation, this particular one. Oh, no. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, so my friend Charlotte, she's been, like, in this particular situation, she has been... I don't know. I don't know why I was just so blind to the warning, but the warning signs. I, I mean, I just <laughs> she was. She's heard about this whole thing, and she's she said I knew the first time you talked about this person was going to be trouble. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and uh, when I finally decided to end this particular issue association, that's uh, is the issue. Um, I was telling Charlotte, I like, I don't know that I would have been so determined to like just cut all ties if it hadn't have been for being involved with the Afghans. And she's like, 
what? Should I after all these conversations we I've had with you? Yes, yes, you would have. You would have cut this off. But it might, um, maybe I would have, but it would take me longer. So, you know, sometimes friends are, um, uh, are a way God speaks to us when we're like all wrapped up in whatever the problem is and we can't see and he's not getting through to us. And, um, you know, sometimes he has friends that he'll have one of our friends tell us. And so I, that's a, um, a, another reason that it's important to have, um, guard associations and, um, make sure you have good friends because if you don't, I mean, sometimes friends can be more of a problem than a help, right? So, um, I, uh, it's just, um, I don't know. This whole thing has been frustrating for me because it's not like I haven't dealt with manipulators before. It's not like I don't know the signs and I just like completely ignored everything for way too long. I think about it. I think I have all this could have been doing so much more. I could have, uh, have like things that I have been working on have been delayed because I've been working on, uh, this project for this other person. Um, I, and now it's not just my things are delayed, but you know, uh, getting things done for the Afghans has been delayed. Uh, the other part of it that is really upsetting to me is that I brought other, other people, other friends have helped me in this project. And, um, it was just, originally I thought it was just, the situation was just going to be an annoyance and be a, a little um, unpleasant to work through. And a week ago Saturday, I found some other things out and it's just uh, the fact that I exposed my friends to um you know, could have harmed their reputation by, you know, having this affiliation with this other person that they're, the only reason they're associated with the person is because, you know, they're doing me a favor and helping me out. So, um, that's really upsetting. But I, last week I talked about, um, signs of manipulators and, uh, there were a couple of things I forgot. And, um, that was, both of all of these three things I'm talking about have also happened in this particular situation. But one of them is they have, um, sorry, let me see. They have, they use triangulation and, uh, divisiveness to manipulate. That actually happened in this situation. And, uh, if the person was a little more savvy, <laughs> I mean, what they did was so stupid. It's just unbelievable. But still, I mean, they just, uh, anyway, but, um, so triangulation is when you, you use, like you'll go to two different people and you'll be kind of setting them against each other. And so that's the way that people will use to control and manipulate. And so they're like, if somebody is always, you know, talking badly about other people or trying to set you against someone else. Um, you know, you might like stop and pause and like, okay, why is that? 
And this particular person, it wasn't, I didn't see a pattern of it because there was really no other connections that they could have, but the one connection that they did know of, um, they tried to do that. And, um, you know, I've just tried to, I don't know, I've tried to do what I can to kind of block up any other, any other avenues for them to be able to do that with in other areas. But anyway, and then this is the other thing that manipulators will do. They'll manipulate through association. So they'll associate with somebody who has credibility, who has a good reputation, and they will, they will, um, you know, pair up with them or claim an association with them so that they're, you know, people will think well of them because this other person has a good reputation. This happens all the time. I was in, involved in something and this was, um, <laughs> they would, they would do this. They would just put people's names as a, uh, as a position, you know, saying, oh, they're going to do this. I'm like, you can't just put somebody's name down. You cannot just do that. You need to ask them. You need to tell them specifically what it is that they're, you're asking them to do and if they're willing to do it and get a, get an agreement, get a commitment over it. And they would just they would just do that all the time. I mean, they did that. That was actually when I had, when I was talking about the situation where I had to go and talk to a pastor about it. I mean, that's, that's literally what they did. They had... Um, I had told them I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to like be, I'm, I'm done. I'm not affiliated with this anymore. You know, please don't have my name on anything. Um, and after I did that, they went up and put my business uh, website up there as, uh, or, or my business name up as like backing them. I don't, I don't, I mean, I said, I don't want any associations here. And when I was telling the pastor about it, he's like, well, they can't do that. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know they can't do that. They're not supposed to, but they just do whatever they want to do. So, um, you see this, like, really, this has happened a lot with, um, uh, people contact all the time, all the time with, uh, the connection in Afghanistan. So the, the guy, what was it? Yeah. The guy that I mentioned that was said he was a Christian that wasn't and was contacting me all these different places and was cursing me out when I wouldn't send him money. He would do that. He would say, oh, we are um, people with this nonprofit know us and gives me this supposedly this name and phone number of this American. And um, I sent a text to them and they never responded. And then like, oh, did you check with this person? Oh, did you check with this person? I said, yeah, they didn't respond. They would, they'll say, uh, oh, we know this person. Oh, I have this letter. And I said, you, okay, number one, letters can be faked. And number two, you know, if this person's in another country, they're not going to know you any more than I would if I wrote you a letter. And so they'll claim association with people and, um, so, you know, for, um, for basically for credibility, I've had, <laughs> just had somebody like last week say, contact me 
I'm really not even sure how they got my phone number for WhatsApp. And they wanted to, um, they said, oh, we, we have our own home church. And they were listing names of people. And I think who they were is, I think what he did is he just went down my Facebook. So I don't show my friend's feed, but I think he was looking at like people who like my posts that are <laughs> Afghans. He said, I know this is in this person. And, you know, I asked a couple of people and they're like, yeah, we know him, but he was, you know, like, mock, you know, just kind of, they don't really think he's a, he's a Christian or other people. I don't think they knew him, but, um, they wanted to have a separate Bible study from the group. And I was like, if you know these people, you have them refer me or refer you to me they can send me a message and tell me that they know you and so they can connect you to me I, I'm not just I'm not just gonna take your your word that I know you, that you know them they do that so that happens all the time there it's just um but this even though we don't think about we don't really think about it so much but it really like Everything, everything involved with the Afghans. It's like you have to like, who are you? Who are you? What's your backstory? Why are you involved in this? Um, one of the things that's really common is like people will have like, you basically have to tell kind of your whole like backstory of, you know, what you're about and what you're doing for anything. Like when I, um, meeting with or having conversations with a guy who moves all the people through Brazil or some of these other nonprofit organizations is just kind of expected. You have to, um, it's not really a CV so much, but it's more of a, um, affiliations. They want to know who your affiliations are and they don't come out and say this, but this is kind of the expectation. We don't really think of it that way. We think, okay, you know, I here in the U S you think you can go in and talk to anybody. We don't think that we have to have, like all these recommendations or um, referrals to be able to go in and get connections with people, but really it's it's the same thing. And especially like in the church, um, you know, people are affiliated with uh, you know a particular church or a particular group, and so they ride the coattails of that authority. So, for example, the church that I go to, I mean, I swear half the people that are in, in there are probably just going there because, you know, they want, like, business networking or something. I mean, ev almost every single, like, local politician, they'll say that they go to that church because they want to be able to get votes. And up until recently like our school board every single one of them had their church affiliation on them except for this one guy he didn't ever say that um he didn't put that up on his profile but or his uh, bio on the school website but people you know they're like oh yeah i'm a member of this so you should trust me and that's not necessarily true you know they um like i've, I've said this before predators are the, go for churches above all else because Christians uh, are tr too trusting and 
too gullible sometimes and there's just a cover like there's a built-in trust and so they go in to take advantage of it manipulators do that um, they just they know how to work it so just because someone is associated with a particular person doesn't necessarily mean that they're trustworthy you know it could be that's one of the things I mentioned last week is that depending on who the person is they can be seeing a completely different side of the manipulator like they know how to um, people with authority they treat people differently I mean they'll treat people with authority and influence and money differently than the people that they're preying on you know it's just they'll see different you know there's two different faces that they'll show so you just have to be careful about associations and the third thing that I, I didn't even think of until today but this is this is also true so manipulators will they try they're always trying to one of the ways that they try to like keep their hooks in you and I don't know how there's probably a word for this I don't know what it is other than they'll, they'll keep pinging you or they'll have these disruptions like if there's something that should be like your day or a happy time they'll try to ruin it or they'll you know something is coming where your focus should be somewhere else particularly if it's going to be a good thing and they'll just ping you so they can kind of get things stirred up a little bit before that day and uh, it's very very common so anyway um, but going back to how do we know God speaks um, I think that uh, all of these things like being able to really assess them um, clearly you know we have to try to find peace in a situation I know for me for the past couple weeks it's been really I have to constantly be refocusing my mind like just constant because my especially after what I discovered a week ago Saturday it's just my mind keeps going in all these different like what what would have happened what would have happened what do I need to guard against who do I need to who do I need to contact about this and um, it's it's been, um, you know, it's just constantly going back and like remembering that, you know, you need to, um, you know, there's certain things I can do to um, address the situation. I can't control other people. I can't control people's responses. I don't know, um, you know, a lot of this, I'm just going to have to, I can only do what I can do and then trust God for the rest. So, um, but recognizing the feeling, and you know, when you're not at that piece, um, can get up, you know, like when you need to redirect. So, uh, but then, like, <laughs> then getting out of it. Like, I had, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if I told you the story, you're like, what the heck? Why didn't you, like, cut this off way before? Why did you even question, like, cutting it off when the first, like I said, okay, I'm going to end this association, and then I let the manipulator talk me out of it. I'm not talk me out of it, but delay it, delay finishing and taking action. And part of the reason was that I did know what the logical decision was. I did know, 
I, I knew that the, it was logical that uh, to just end it right there and not have anything else to do with it. But then I, I was realizing, okay, I didn't pray about it to begin with. And so I did pray about it then. And I, I was, I was asking God for a specific thing. The thing I realized though, is that what I was asking God was for an external, um, an external confirmation. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the thing is like, you know, on, um, uh, if you go into, I'm not sure, I think it's, it's either first or second Samuel, I get the account of Gideon when he's going into battle and God gives him all these signs, like the signs of the fleece. And he had a, um, he was asking God if, you know, he to, for more confirmation that he was going to be successful in this battle against the Midianites. And so he goes down this, down the hill um, and sneaks into like, up to the enemy camp and he t hears two soldiers talking and he says and one of the soldiers had a dream and then the other soldier gave him the interpretation of the dream and said you're going to um, um, you're going to this is what it means that the Israelites are going to be victorious so getting got this external confirmation but um, what I realized was that that external confirmation uh, required, like, also um, cooperation on the part of the uh, person receiving it. And so, like, sometimes I think we can get a word for somebody and then maybe we don't give it to them. And so that's what I was asking for. I never got that. But then, um, you know, after the delay, I was like, God, I just need to know. I just need to know. Like, just this has been hanging over my head. I need to come to a conclusion on this. I need to know for certain that this is, I just need to have peace about it. I need to have peace that this is the right decision. And so I prayed that. It was Sunday night, 10 minutes. I get a phone call and the person, so what had happened was the manipulator had contacted somebody else to try to get them, this triangulation, trying to get them to come against me, join him, join them coming against me. This is what they did. And, uh, I was like, wow, you know, as soon as I prayed, the manipulator must've been sending that message right then. Like that's how fast the answer was. And it's kind of, it wasn't a good situation, but I was like, okay, well, this is my answer. This is what it took for me to have that peace that this is the right decision. And it's still a mess. I mean, I'm still like, there's one part, there's, there's kind of three parts to it now. One was a problem that shouldn't be a problem at all. It's just the manipulators making it a problem. And then, uh, part of how they're making the problem, uh, there's an issue number two. And then issue number three was the thing that I discovered a week ago. So I've taken care of two and three, or as at least as far as I can go on two and three, but the first one still a problem. And then, looks like there's an extension of that that's going to be more more than I have to deal with. Um, so anyway, I don't know how it's going to um, still something I have to deal with and still kind of dragging on. And uh, I mean, I know that, um, you know, God did give me an answer. And that was the other thing I told them. Like, you don't have to know um, for certain 
you don't have to know every single thing for certain. You can have peace even though you don't have certainty. And that's kind of the way this is. I mean, I don't know what they're all going to try. I don't know how, like, difficult they're going to be. Who knows? You know, I don't have certainty about that. But I'm like, okay, I know this is the right decision. I know I have, I have peace about this. So, uh, the cool thing is going to the Afghans is while all this is going on, like, I'm, like, pretty much... I mean, I did a few things, but as far as, like, I had a whole list of stuff I was planning on doing and people to contact and needing to do, and then instead I have to deal with all this other stuff. And um, even in spite of that, completely missed this until I started going in on my, looking, catching up on all my messages. We had visas come through for the, the visas that we were, um, we filed, like, end of, 2022 some of them have finally started coming through we had like we had a few we had our renewals come through except for one that got canceled and then we had a few other a, a, one or two others come came through and we just had another big bunch come through so that is like thank you lord for that that was a good thing then the craziest thing oh my gosh so i go and again trying to catch up on all my email or messages and I look, and Thursday I got a message from one of uh, a man, and that he and his family are in Brazil. And I was like, "What? What's the deal?" So he had already had the visas. He'd applied on his own, got the visas for Brazil, but they needed a way to get there. And he told me, "So this is my this is one my project that I was going to be doing. I was going to try to find funding for him because he's." You know, Brazil, if we get the money, we can get them there. So I was working on that. I was going to be working on that. I did send some emails. I don't even know. I don't even think I've, I don't think I've got a reply back from them. I have to go check. But I did send some emails, like, trying to, because he's worked for, like, multiple nonprofits um, that, and NGOs, and then just basically ghosted him. So I was going to try to, like, you know, get on some of those, their cases to help him get them moved. And uh, I have not followed, I didn't send emails, but I haven't followed up on him. So that was going on, but he, there was some organization that bought him um, airline tickets to get out there. And then there's a whole exit visa thing with Pakistan that had another organization that funded getting them out and uh, so they could leave Pakistan. So they're there, but they're basically just been kind of, they're just basically there at sea. I guess they do have a place to stay right now, which is a good thing because um, some Afghans are, I mean, there's like hundreds of Afghans just living at the airport in Brazil because uh, Brazil does not have any sort of um, resettlement or support structure. And when they sign, when they get those Brazilian visas, they have to um, state that they, are not going to be drained on the, um, you know, the Brazilian government, they can support themselves. So he's there. And so now I, so I just found this out, but, um, I need to find out what it will take to get him plugged into, um, that guy's network that can get them settled. So like I said, the, 
one of the people that I connected to basically built an entire resettlement structure or network in Brazil for when they were moving. They moved 1,500 people, so I need to see what we'll take to get him into that. So that happened. Um, my friend Clint, let me see if I can find him. He is somebody that if you want to uh, keep up to date about what's going on in um, you know, with Afghanistan and that whole situation, Clint Stevens, I connected to him on Twitter. He's been super helpful. He's been kind of acting like a, um, sort of like a father figure to um, a little group of SIVs that he's taken under his wing. And uh, he, this is, he started back in like May 2021. And he just kind of, you know, has a small group of people. He kind of helps along. And he sent me a message this week and he said that one of his, um, SIV applicants. He's like, yeah, he's at the airport right now. He's on his way to Doha. And I was like, okay, awesome. That's amazing. So it's just, I mean, it's not one of my people, but it's always really exciting to hear like somebody getting out, especially out of Pakistan. So and I'm, I haven't gone back and asked him, but um, this is the SIV application. I think maybe he m may have just come out of com approval, maybe. I don't know. Maybe have the interview process because he's going to Doha. But I think there's still more processing there, and I'm not sure. But it it takes a while for them to go through all that. I have to ask Clint, but I think there might be he might get here for another six to eight months. But Pakistan's really bad for him. I really really bad. So at least there's another another family move. So. That was good. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. It seems like there's some other good things that happened, but I was like, oh, just need to, um, what was it? Yeah, I don't know. It's, there's, seems like there's been a lot of stuff. There was a riots in Pakistan. Um, they, uh, our people said that they were without internet for like three to four days. Uh, it wasn't, there's just a lot. It's very unstable. Very unstable. So um, the other things that have been going on in Afghanistan. This was also last week. Um, they actually have a swarm of locusts. Like the, I think it's Moroccan locusts. They're most um, uh, destructive in the world are hitting Afghanistan. This is also after they had a very severe winter. This last winter, um, this is uh, uh, people were dying from the cold. They also lost uh, a lot of livestock, and um, so they've had. First of all, I mean, it's just been very. Um, if you're not the Taliban, I mean, you're you're basically at risk in the uh, in Afghanistan, especially. If you are, um, I don't know if I have, I don't think I do. Uh, I don't think I shared this last week, but there was, I think it was last week, there were 20, um, the Taliban told former employee, employees of the former Afghan government that they had a, um, they had pay for them, back pay to come and pick it up. And so people did. And they went in and 20 of them were killed. I mean, they just, it's just horrible. I mean, it's such a horrible situation. We sit like dinking around, um, not 
following through on our promises. But um, so going back to the situation in Afghanistan, as far as like the food supply, they've lost a lot of fox from the freeze. They're having locusts come through now. And on top of that, let's see which one. Um, they're projecting, um, you know, that there's, I mean, there's so many, so many people going hungry right now anyway, but this is, it's just getting worse. And on top of that, the aid has been cut. And this was, um, I think just this last week, uh, they're projecting if they don't get more funding that they're going to not, the World Food Program is going to like run out of uh, help for them by June. So it's getting pretty dire. Meanwhile, the Taliban is diverting aid that is going to Afghanistan and, you know, using it for themselves. So there is money going there that's being misdirected. They, instead of focusing on food, um, Taliban, the opium production increased 32% uh, under the Taliban. They made it a big show about um, banning uh poppy production, the poppy farms, but, you know, that's, again, just a show. They, production increased. I mean, they are drug traffickers. They're human traffickers. They're terrorists. They're thugs. This is who the Taliban are, and this is who the U.S. and the U.N. have been playing around, you know, maybe considering to actually recognize them. It's ridiculous. So, that is uh, us going on. The other thing related to this whole situation um, in the U.S. this last week is uh, uh, there's a lot of news stories about this. I haven't really been on Facebook that much. I really hope that um, people who <laughs> I know aren't, haven't been echoing some of the Fox News and um, uh, propaganda, but uh, there's been a big ruckus about like title 42 which most people don't even know what it is but um title 42 was a part of the covid um measures um that basically limited immigration and i have a link in the um the youtube description of an article on um cnn that i think it's cnn that explains this pretty well and so during the pandemic, Trump implemented some, um, some restrictions that it, what it used to be is if uh, people came to the U.S. and they crossed illegally, but then they applied for asylum, that they would be allowed to uh, apply for asylum. So applying for asylum is a human right and uh, international law, you know, if we... Um, subscribe to that then and the u.s historically has allowed this the right to apply for asylum um with title 42 that basically denied that it would you know ban people from um they would deport them if they didn't come through legally so basically banning asylum and the um the narrative has been that you know, Trump is just letting, or Biden is just letting in all these illegal aliens, which is just, in actuality, uh, 
they are kind of in a way extending that even though it's title 42 itself has ended with the COVID-19 pandemic um, measures, he's actually extending that. And he is, um, the new measures are anyone who is um, trying to seek asylum who didn't first apply for protection in a company that they came through, they're going to be denied. Or if they first applied online. And this is actually what he's doing. It was actually something Trump tried to do that was denied by the courts. It was overturned. So when people say that he's ending Title 42, um, or they just, they're, they either don't know, and they're saying that he's like, you know, opening the borders to illegal, to um, immigrants. They don't know what he's talking about. If you think there are actually open, open borders, please contact me. Let me know because I need, I need some, some people through. So if you think that that's actually true, seriously, let me know how it's done. You know, people that say stuff like that are like, they don't know what they're talking about. So the other thing is, oh, I know I was going to, I forgot. Um, they have, this is the thing about this. They've had like these limits on this ban against people just coming from these four countries, Venezuela, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Cuba for a while. They've just extended the same thing to everyone. Um, I thought when I read this before that that 30,000 was not people being allowed in. I thought it was just applications. I could be wrong about that. I don't know. But the thing is like when they, even if they take like 30,000 applications, it's, it's completely irrelevant because it doesn't mean that that's, they're approving them. I mean, if you look at the approval rate from those countries, it's very, very low. And you have to, um, you know, poor economic situ situation is not um, a reason for asylum. They, they won't grant asylum based on that that uh, case. You have to have, like, credible threat of harm to yourself. Um, they do not, uh, for, this is, I didn't realize this until about a week ago, there's an entire program for people from Eastern Bloc, former Soviet um, uh, countries that if they, for the religious persecution. So if they are not Eastern Orthodox, but they're like, um, you know, another denomination of Christians or Jewish or something else, that they can apply for asylum uh, based on that. It's called the Lassane program. They actually, uh, religious uh, persecution is not considered um, cause or reason for asylum or grounds for asylum for Afghans. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? They actually changed that in October 2021. So anyway, but um, this is an article from Amnesty International. And so this is not really loosening restrictions at all. It's actually making it more restrictive. So even... Even a few months ago, there was a guy that uh, was a cousin of one of the members of my Bible study. He went from Brazil up to the uh, Mexican border 
And I was like, why didn't you just present yourself for asylum? I didn't understand that you have to, like, even in order to do that, you had to go on the app. They have this CB1 app that you have to make an appointment. They only do 740 a day. Uh, I read a story a couple weeks ago about a guy, an Afghan, who flew into Mexico and was going to apply for asylum at the border. And he's been living in a tent city for a year um, trying to get an appointment on that app. And so what the, the cousin did was they crossed the border illegally and then they um, surrendered to the uh, border agents. And he was he was missed he we, nobody knew where he was for two months and he was in jail during that time he was in a core civic detention center in mississippi and so um they don't just like take them and release them i mean they literally and that's a whole other thing you know when you have private private uh prisons um profiting off of people being incarcerated and lobbying for whether it's for, you know, laws to keep people in jail or immigration laws that are, you know, that are holding them in detention, you know, you have to wonder, like, what the motiv real motivation is. So anyway, so all this is going on. There's all this drama and everything about the supposed loosening up of immigration laws, which is totally not true. So, again, like, what he's, what Biden has implemented is actually like restrictive so restrictive that uh trump had tried to do something similar and it was overturned okay so that's what happened so then you have people like stephen miller saying that uh biden should fix could fix the border with trump immigration policies did you read that article i mean basically he's doing the same thing and then you have ken paxton going in filing for a restraining order against the Biden border policy. So you must ask, like, okay, are they just dumb? Or do they just not understand this? And it's possible. Uh, it's totally possible that they're just, like, I guess they could be that dumb. I don't know. But I don't think so. I don't think they are. I think they think everybody else is. I think they think that their base, the people that listen to them, are dumb enough that they're just going to believe whatever they say. So the reality is, is that people do. They don't question what they say. And I would think that at this point, when we have certain um, uh, provocateurs like constantly stirring things up, you know, you have to, if, if what they say ends up not being true over and over and over again, um, at some point, maybe don't listen to them anymore. Just the thought. Just the thought. Because, I mean, unless... Unless you just like being wrong a lot, then, you know, if you like being wrong, then, yeah, keep listening to these people. But other than that, I mean, if if somebody's always wrong or you find out they're lying to you, then quit listening to them. Quit listening to them. Ken Paxton, our who knows how many times indicted attorney general, so ridiculous. So ridiculous. This guy who, <laughs> I mean, he's been exposed so many times and nobody cares they keep voting for him for attorney general and all he does is go out and i don't even know i mean he doesn't do anything worthwhile he just goes out and i don't even know i don't know it's 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 an embarrassment he's an embarrassment greg abbott is an embarrassment it's an embarrassment that people still vote for them 
it's just an embarrassment. So anyway, that's that. If you hear somebody squawking about the border in Title 42, send them a copy of the article that I'm posting in the YouTube video and say, no, that's not what it is. That's not how it works. You know, when you say things like that, you just look ignorant. You just look ignorant. Ignorance can be fixed with information. But if you choose to con to hold to that wrong information, then that's a bigger problem. Like if you continually deny truth, then you're not going to recognize it anymore. But anyway, so I think I'm going to end this. Have a, oh my goodness, I've been talking for over an hour. Okay. So just a reminder, um, there is a, the issues in Afghanistan are not over and um, it's, uh, we as a country, as a people, um, we went into Afghanistan because we were attacked, right, in 9-11 and we had a lot of friends that stood by us. Um, other countries that went in with us and were there with us for 20 years. And there were a lot of Afghan allies that also stood by them, by us. And we made a promise to them that we would back them. And they believed, they believed us. They believed us in, um, you know, when we said that things could be different, they believed us when we, they said, we said that we would help them and they are making people are making decisions um, life life altering decisions because they believe us because we we promised these things right and so if um, they didn't believe that we would uh, bring them to the US through the special immigration visas or humanitarian parole visas, these paths that were supposedly created, they made decisions to relocate to other countries, um, believing that it would be maybe at most a year and we're going on to. And um, things are, in most of the surrounding countries are very, very hostile for them and um, they're at risk. Um, they are, you know, I was talking to one of our families this week and he's like, I just can't find work. You know, I've been looking, um, when they're in visas, when they're on like, uh, coming into Pakistan on, um, either family visas or tourist visas, they have, they're, they're not allowed to work and we're not really providing aid to them. The only people that, I mean, it's all like, private NGOs that are, um, are private individuals, not even organizations, but private individuals that are, um, helping personally, uh, you know, they're giving their own money to like, uh, so my friends have like donated to, you know, help get visas and, um, exit visas and send food and things. And so it's not as it, as corporately, we're not following through on that. And, um, so, I don't have a slide for this, but there is, you know, this is the thing. It's like, it just gets so old when, you know, it's just, it just seems like for both parties, it's just a game. It's just a game. Like who can win? Who can get one over on the other? And the problems aren't actually addressed. And 
you know, they had the um, Afghan Adjustment Act has been through Congress, and this only, all this applies to is for people who were already in the U.S. whose um, visas are expiring and there's no, you know, they're, it gets up to August and they're, they're not going to have legal status in the United States. I mean, all it really does is protect them against being deported. And they they had an opportunity to vote on that, and they removed it. They didn't. So that's still hanging out there. And people just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's really sickening to me that it's, it's more about, you know, manipulating situations and really um, dealing with issues and helping people. But... Uh, if you, uh, know, just, just if you happen to connect with a family or you, uh, know somebody that needs help in Afghanistan, I did mention last week that, um, you do have to be very cautious. I personally, unless if you, you know them individual, you know, know them personally, not just like connecting with them over the internet. Um, I personally wouldn't send money. Definitely don't send gift cards. I've, I've been, I mentioned I've been watching a lot of scam fish, and so there's a lot of, um, a lot of scams being run. But there are ways to help people, individual people directly, and one of those is um, through the ASEAL app. You can, if you have a family, you can register them with ASEAL and then buy an aid package, and they will deliver that directly to them. So that is pretty awesome. The other part of this is, so there's Do Good, and that's where you can um, buy aid packages to have it directly delivered. And then the other side of it is uh, Buy Good, and they, it's kind of like an Etsy for Afghans. So individual artisans can, um, uh, you know, sell their stuff on this app, and they get it. Um, it you can basically help them continue and support a family. And as I mentioned before, it's a pretty dire situation. The economy is a mess and um, it's just it's just continually getting worse. The other way is that if you, you can do this anywhere, to anybody in the world, you can use um, mobilerecharge.com as long as you know a person's phone number or their, um, and their carrier. You can add uh, funds and data to their phone. So, um, especially in Afghanistan, this is really their only link to the outside world, and so that's super important. But um, also, you know, if you know somebody that needs help in another part of the world too, that's that you can also help them there. So, that's that. Um, I've had like this banner across the bottom of the screen, and. Um, like if you'd like to help support our particular group of Afghans, you can go to donshireministries.org and select Ways to Walk, and um, funds that are donated there will be uh, directed to them. We have this is the thing, just like general support, like you know, living expenses, the rent, you know, things like that. Um, they all need help with that. I mean, if you're interested in maybe like sponsoring a family to help them until we can like get them out, uh, let me know. You can send me. A message at contact at race to walk but also we are working on um, getting people actually moved and as I mentioned we have one definite 
um, option to move them going to Brazil. Um, and that is just, I have a connection with somebody who can just like handle the whole thing from like if they're still in Afghanistan, getting them to Pakistan and then to Brazil and settled and launched there. And um, I, and then we also have some connections with um, churches that are willing to sponsor. We need to find funds for them uh, to go to Canada. So the um, easiest and fastest route for people to get out is through Brazil, but it's also the most expensive. So um, it costs like an average of eight to ten thousand, eight to eleven thousand dollars per person to get them all moved and settled. Um, Canada, it's they have like a whole schedule of like what you have to have to support them. Um, and then coming up, hopefully, is uh, phase two of Welcome Corps, where they're going to be um, uh, they're going to be allowing it, private sponsors in the United States to refer into the refugee program families. So it's kind of like Canada's program. That's what it's based on. So anyway. So if you're interested in any of these things, send me a message to contact at racetowalk.org. And so that's where we're at. And um, we've had some we've had some good movement, and which I have to say I had nothing to do with because I was like, I'll focus on something else. But anyway, that was um, those were encouraging things to hear um, when I was trying to catch up and get refocused after this whole other mess. But anyway, um, that's my update for this week. And um, I, uh, wherever you're at, I hope that you are having a, not only having a good week, but, um, that you're doing some good yourself. So I will talk to you next week.